0: I don't know where you are. I know I am in Orlando. Uh, Where are you speaking to me today?
1: Hello and welcome to episode 110 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is the marketing and the F is the value you decided. You're probably wondering, does the world need another effing marketing podcast? I'm your host, Ian Truscott. I'm no rock star, but I've picked up a thing or two over my 25-year career from techie to CMO, and each week on this podcast, I chat to the true rock stars, my fabulous guests and chums, and hopefully share with you some marketing street lines that will inspire the rock star CMO in you. Come say hello. We are Rockstar CMO on Twitter and LinkedIn, and we are proud members of the Marketing Podcast Network. This episode was recorded on Friday, April the 15th. I hope you're enjoying Easter weekend, if that's your thing, and that you are well, safe, and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. This week, Jeff Clark and I talk pyramids and not in a Bernie Madoff way. I chat with agency founder and author Chris Smith, and we wind down the week in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar with Robert Rose for a cocktail and a marketing thought. But first, we need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. Be right back. We'll
2: be right back. This we'll be right back this
1: you may know you're listening to this show along
0: the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It.
2: Christy.
1: Go subscribe. If, like me, you geek out on content management, you might be curious about the latest state of the market, the systems marketers are using, and how companies are solving the complex challenges of connecting with consumers that expect our brands to be on the digital channel of their choosing, not ours. Well, our chums at Storyblock, a highly rated headless CMS vendor, now partner of the Marketing Podcast Network, have commissioned a study that talked to over 500 businesses across the US and Europe to answer those questions. The result is a report called The State of Content Management and it shares how companies maybe just like yours are approaching content distribution through their digital channels in 2022. The results are fascinating and through our partnership you can grab a copy for yourself today. Just go to storyblock.com/rockstar for your free report. That's storyblock without the slash rockstar I will of course include that link in the show notes. Time for our first segment with my chum, Jeff Clark, a sought-after marketing strategy advisor and former Serious Decisions Forrester Research Director. This week, Jeff brings another book to the Rockstar CMO penthouse as we dive into storytelling with Pyramids. Welcome back, Jeff, to Rockstar CMO. How are you, my friend? I am doing very well
3: on a very nice spring day here in central Massachusetts. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, we've had. Um,
1: yes, we haven't had the nicest day, but, we, but we, we've got above-average temperatures here, which is uh, which is worrying because this might be this might be our summer for all I know. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. what I remember. You get summer, you get summer in spring, <laughs> and you get a little bit of summer at the end of summer and early fall, and then summer <laughs> itself seems to. be you know, really perfect. Yes, well, it's uh,
1: yes. It's, it never, never a dull day well often a dull day all right so let's get to agenda item number two which is the topic of the day which is um our uh, we're, we're still messing about with these five effing marketing fundamentals that we've been chatting about for the last few weeks and we're going to dip back to number three which is uh communication and storytelling uh, which we first covered in episode 105 for those of you who want to listen back and like last week you've brought a book to the show Jeff. I am. Yeah we were eating the big fish last week which was fun and it was really nice to hear from the author uh, on Twitter. Yes
3: I I thought that was I was very excited that he. um...
1: Especially as we had that long discussion about why the hell he called it eating the big fish. So I, it don't, was good to...
3: I, I don't think he answered my question that I posed back to him. But um, uh, well we'll he see.
1: said it came from an Avis ad back in the day, Oh, say, which showed uh, which because Avis were the Challenger brand versus Hertz.
3: And mm-hmm. apparently they did an ad which featured a fish. I, uh, you know, I didn't see that. Did he? Re- <laughs> was, that, was that his uh, responding? On, I can't remember. Was uh, no, or... no, he
1: mentioned Wait, uh,
3: uh, some of that I think I've pulled together from my knowledge of
1: my deep, deep understanding and um, knowledge that's of that's advertising. It. But uh, I think that's it. Somebody might phone in and uh, suggest that I'm incorrect, but I think that's the case. Um, But so you've brought a book to the show again this week. Yes. What say you, Jeff, on the topic of storytelling? And you've brought a book. What have you brought? <laughs>
3: I have brought the book, the pyramid principle, mm-hmm. which is, um, I, you know, it, as a, as a business book, this is definitely a, a guide to how to build, you know, a talk track, a story, a presentation mm-hmm. written, you know, what, what it all, I mean, I think, I think it's very applicable to all different types of communication. Um, but it was written by a woman named Barbara Minto, who, mm-hmm. um, came from uh, McKinsey, uh, and then she developed her own uh, consulting group, just focused on uh, on helping people communicate. And she's got a long list of important people she's done personal consulting from. And the book that I have came from 2009. It, mm-hmm. I, I believe it was a revision from earlier works, which I saw a number of different dates for, mm-hmm. but, uh, so she has been, she is now uh, still alive, but is now in her eighties, but, uh, wow. has been, um, obviously this was, uh, successful. She made a career out of it. Yeah. But uh, when you
1: say the pyramid principle and, uh, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look, looking at the notes here. This, this isn't a case of pyramid selling or
3: any of that. Kind no, of enormous, no it, it? it's very, I, I know, you know, there's like the new age treatment of, you know, you, you, you lie under a principle, i sorry, a, a principle, a pyramid or there's the pyramid schemes. And, yeah. no, this is this is nothing like that. It uh, no. it addresses the problem, uh, which was coined from somebody else called the magic number of seven. uh and seven means the magic number part of it is that people can't comprehend more than seven ideas at a time i think it's actually Mm -hmm. seven plus or minus two so so there's some people who can do nine (laughs) a lot of people can only do five um Mm -hmm. and um and so it's hard to comprehend and it's also it doesn't stick in your short-term memory didn't we cover didn't we talk about that when we did the seven or eight p's of marketing which then it was i think i i think i brought it up at that time yeah Yeah, yeah, because um, i always i mean to me i always think about the the fact that that's the problem with the 10 commandments is that you know it's (laughs) like i can remember you know don't kill anybody don't steal there's something about coveting something i can't remember what what or who that is uh and So which so that's, you know, yeah, which is bugging humankind ever since.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, and that's uh, We actually were having that. um, I I often refer to conversations around the dinner table with with my daughter who's studying sociology and and psychology. And uh, we were having a conversation about the commandments, the Ten Commandments and, and what was considered sin and what was wrong and what was right. Could I remember all ten? Oh, God no, I could not. Yeah. I, I I ran out of steam after thou shalt not kill, just like you did just now. <laughs> <It really> <laughs> <laughs> Stealing, killing, I Dilling. think that's about it. <laughs> that's those are those are
3: those are no brainers.
1: <laughs> so, um, and, and and that's a new, not a new phenomenon. I mean, these days we're always talking about how you know the modern consumer has got the um, brain of a goldfish. But this is this has been around for a while. Yeah, so yeah,
3: it's and it, it is nothing. I mean, it's from a, as a concept, it's nothing new, and it yeah. and it and, and what it is. I mean, in terms of <laughs> trying to apply it to yeah. uh, to our task at hand, is that is that when you've got you know, if you've got more than seven things that you're trying to mm-hmm. get across, you need to you need to group them in something that that makes sense, so right. that people can say, oh, okay, there's there's this this main thesis or point you made, and and yeah. there's some subpoints that sit in this group, and some points that sit in that group. And, and the, uh, the example that uh, is used in the book at the beginning is a uh, is the is the grocery shopping challenge. If, yeah. if uh, a husband runs off or is about to leave the house and says, OK, I'm going to go get milk. Yeah. And, and then the wife says and it could be the roles could be reversed. Um, yes. But the wife says, um, oh, by the way, get um, we need bread. And then she like opens up the cupboards and says, oh, and we need, uh, you know, we need some, we need some fruit, we need apples and oranges and, uh, opens up the refrigerator and we need butter. And yeah. so if, if all of a sudden there's just this list of things, you know, the guy's going to go out of the house and, and, and go, I, he's going to remember some of them, but he's not going to remember no. everything that was given to him unless, unless he in his brain or, mm-hmm as it was being communicated saying, okay, we need four dairy products. Okay. We need milk, eggs, butter, sour cream. We need three pieces. We need three types of fruit. We need Mm -hmm. the blah, blah, blah. And, and, and kind of organizes it, you know, for them. And it's, so it's, it's, um, and I, you know, I, as I, you know, listen to presentations, podcasts, I'm in meetings Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And just people pour over stuff and it's like, you just, you realize that it, it, you know, it. It even though you're trying to pay attention, if you yeah. don't know the structure of how things are going to go to together, you're gonna you're gonna leave things out.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, and and I think it's interesting to use that analogy of the the shopping list, but uh, but also, um, you know, I guess that all ladders up to one thing, which is shopping, right? Which is um, yes, kind of what we need to do. You've got to go get stuff. <laughs> yeah, so that, 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 that's the that's right. the thing with our to get it back to some marketing and and our storytelling is we have a principal story we want to tell, and then we should, and the, and we should group the things that we want to tell beneath that in in yeah. some logical fashion.
3: Yeah, I mean, and it, it's it all starts. So the thing at the top is the is you know the thesis, or that's you yeah. know at least what they what she calls yeah. it, the thesis, and so that is you know, if you've got, um, and, and I think this ap- applies to any type of communication. So like if you've got a success story, yeah. ABC company saved so many dollars using our XYZ platform, mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, there's an ad, you can buy your favorite book with the new Kindle app, or, yeah. you know, you're sending emails and you're, you're, you know, you're usually starting with a promise. And, yeah. and the thing is, it's like, okay, now once I've made that thesis, yeah. What What's next? And in the case of like a success story, the you know the the typical grouping is: oh, there was a challenge, there was a solution. Yeah. There's yeah. a there's a set of benefits for that solution. Yeah. Or if it's an yeah. ad, you made a promise. What and then you hopefully you mentioned what the fulfillment of the promise is, and yeah. what's the call to action. And yeah. and as your as your documents get bigger, mm-hmm. you have more things that you can group under under um you know under yeah. the, the categories but you know you can't you can't go so far on a level that that you're you're not you know you're you're trying to build things under each of mm-hmm. those elements so if i yeah. have my one thesis i like got three big points then you know what are the big points that are under those points and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera as i work my yeah. way down yeah yeah and so i
1: i think one of the things that we do and i was reviewing some copy <laughs> um that, well i've and I've reviewed copy in the past. Should we say it like that? And I think with uh, for, particularly in B two B, it seems that we're really good at talking about the problem. Oh, we understand the problem, and then we, and as we're telling the story, we start with the thesis. But then we start going back to oh, and then there's the problem, and then there's the problem, and so you end up with that dis, um, you know that that um, dysfunctional kind of storyline that's being that's being told. So, is that the structure? Then you start with the theses. Is that, is that how that's – if we're picturing a pyramid in our heads, is that what it's yep. looking like? You, yeah. you
3: start with the thesis, so that's the yep. top of the pyramid, yep. and, then, and then you'd say, you know, the, there's, a, there's a couple – there's actually four rules that mm-hmm. that are part of this this yep. structure. So start yep. with the thesis. Second is the idea is that every, every level must be summaries of whatever's above it. Summaries?
1: Um, of, they're, not, they're, yep. not, they're not pulling out more detail from the one above mm. it. They're summaries.
3: Well, actually, so that's a I mean, summaries may not be the best choice of word, but it is the it is basically of it is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. supporting what is above it. Yeah. And that and that everything in each set, so if I've yeah. got, you know, three sets of things like my challenge, my solution, my benefit, then yeah then. Then all of the content within there have got, has got to be the same right. part of that same idea, so right. each set has to be you know uh, uh, analogous and and it has to support going on its way up. Right. and right. and the and and the, at, at any level mm-hmm. the things need to could be ordered in some sort of logical man- manner so it's like if i if, so if I have my you know my brand which is um and you know I was thinking of an example of when mm-hmm. When um I was at SDL which is a company that you were at well as well yeah. and it's like you know we were continually working on on the message and as we were focusing on you know that we're a company that brings your brand to the world because it was a combination of content management and the ability to do language translations so it's like that's the statement so yeah. under that there's you know we make going global easy, you know, mm-hmm. because of our translation capabilities, we engage customers in the moment because of the ability to do personalization with our content platforms. And we establish, a, you know, a lifetime of value in your communication with your, your, your customers. So those kind of become the supporting messages. And then under that, you know, you can say, you know, well, what, what supports each of those things, right? Because now right. I've made mood statements. And yeah. so the new statements, you know, need their own support. And I can go down for the support messages, value drivers, differentiators, and and yeah. you know, basically I'm you know, as I'm building this out, I've got, you yeah. know, the, the the thing we worked on was a messaging document that had five different layers yeah. that kind of broadened out from that that top message and right. bringing your brand to the world.
1: Right, right. So just to bring it to life a little bit for the listeners, at the top is the master message. So this is um like the three to seven to eight-word summary that says this is us, this is what we do. And then underneath that, in this particular example, there's three core messages that you've got. So it could be that you're a B2B brand and you are um, easy to use, secure, and, I don't know, innovative or whatever. (laughs) Let me pick the three most generic things, (laughs) right? And then underneath that, you're saying supporting messages. So i've seen this uh where i've implemented this and it's been more like proof points so we're kind of getting into sort of like um proving some of these statements so uh we're secure we're secure because of these features in our product is this at this point that you're saying at this third level or that this customer says this or we had this experience is this is this where we're like proving what we meant by the core messages
3: yes and and so the i mean the 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 second tier is proving why you made the thesis at the, at the top. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. And then yeah. the third level is proving why, you know, if we say yeah. we make global easy, well, it's like, okay, yeah. that's a, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting statement. So yeah. why, why do you say that? And then, yeah. and and then you can get into the, in each level, you've got to ask the, the question of kind of like, well, well so what? So yeah, one of the things that that in the the book they talk about as you build the pyramid and you're looking at each level is, you know, so what are we what are we discussing? Yeah. What what question are you answering for the audience? Because the audience is going to say, oh, yeah. you know, they bring their brand yeah. to the world. Oh, yeah. Well, that's kind of nice. Well, so what does it mean? What's yeah. it mean to yeah. the person yeah. you're intending to be talking to? Yeah. Uh, and then what's the answer? And and the answer should kind of Work is, is is if you think through the situation, the complications, the, yeah. and, the, and the answer you're giving, you need to kind of prove that that answer that you're giving mm-hmm. actually supports the level above it. Yeah, I, and and then and then it's like, well, what's that? You as as you're kind of mm-hmm. workshopping this, is yeah. it? Well, what's the next question <laughs> that they're going to yeah. ask? You know, yeah. once I've said that, and they say, okay, I get that, but then I'm going to ask yeah. another question, and and you know, you keep building building the pyramid yeah. uh, that you could describe those layers as different depending on your business, but
1: predominantly that top layer is going to be that master message. I don't know what yep. it's called in the book. Um, and then you've got these, I mean, most organ, you know, I I've, I've done this and I usually call it a messaging matrix and not yep. pyramid shaped. So I have a message that sits across the whole thing. Then I have like four or five core messages that sit under that. And then underneath those are the things that are going to support that, the proof points, um, and uh, and the value drivers, um, and where in, in this, where particularly in B two B, where do things like the um, features and functions and all that kind of stuff fit in? Are we look uh, do, are we then driving down from the main idea is then connected right down to what it the product actually does? Is that what we, is that where this gets to?
3: I, so I, yes, and and I would say you know again, you know if you're so if you're building out a. Uh, you know, brand messaging matrix. Absolutely, you got to get down to well, what are the physical things that we're selling or you know, mm-hmm. services we're providing yeah. that actually execute on on um, you know the value drivers as you work your way up the the pyramid. Um, you know, but but again, if you're you know, it. Uh, I also want to just make sure people understand this can apply to absolutely any type of communication. So the simpler uh, okay. the communication, like an advertisement, mm-hmm. is going to be. Very simple, you know, we make a promise, our product fulfills the promise or our service right. fulfills the promise here's the action I want you to take to go to the next thing and right. and and as you're as you're just thinking about how that ad is constructed, you want to make mm-hmm. sure one that it that it is it's not trying to violate these principles. you know I'm right. not going to put in seven features, you know yeah. that are right under the headline, oh no, I'm just going to list seven features and think that people right. go oh that's that's for me right um plus. It, it, when you're doing things that fit into a brand messaging f- hierarchy and framework, yeah. then they've got to be, uh, you know, built on one of the the levels or one of the pillars of this pyramid that you're building for the, the company's messaging hierarchy. Yeah. Right.
1: So, okay. So to, to, I think, so from my perspective then, and, and the example that you brought with, with SDL was at a very high level, but you're saying the pyramid, pyramid principle basically you just apply that to any of the communications that you're doing. So yep. even if you're writing an email, and you're yep. doing um, you're doing a promotional email, you've got to think about this. That at the top of the email is the stated uh, high level message, and then you structure it in that similar way where you where you're diving into the details. That so that. Is that so that you're grabbing attention of somebody right at the beginning, and then they they get more interested?
3: Yeah, it, it, it's it's so that you're you're continuing to communicate because because remember, is at the at each of the levels you're you're yeah. trying to ask yourself what the audience, what the questions right. the audience is going to have. But I always remember yeah, yeah. you know being in discussions about messaging products or whatever, and people yeah. would say, "But so what? Yeah, yeah, you know, so what?" And it's like, well. You know, sometimes that gets irritating. But on the other hand, you really yeah. need, to, you need to be able to yeah. answer, so what? Uh, yeah. And, and um, you know, I, another area that, that I certainly use, you know, some, things like this is for, you know, thinking about presentations. So if somebody's going to present at a conference, yeah. you know, at a breakout or even in a keynote or something like that, you typically start with something that that just grabs attention, helps you identify with the audience. And then you've got to, you've got to think about the structure of your presentation, the exact same way, because you know, our, our um, rule of thumb is people are going to remember, you know, three things, you know, some, you know, big executive from a big bank at a conference is going to deliver a 30 minute presentation. And there could be all kinds of good stuff in there and chuckles or whatever, but people are going to remember three things. So, what are those three things and how are you grouping them and how are you making those three things themselves credible and memorable because you did provide enough information to support those.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I see. I see. So, so it's a thing that you can apply to any communication high or low, whether you're writing an email, doing a presentation, or whether you're actually defining the messaging strategy for your whole organization. So there's that. Okay. Uh, And um, okay. So that's the, um, that is the pyramid principle and and you you're quoting from book barbara minto from 2009 so i shall include a link to that in the show notes and if anybody's familiar with the pyramid principle then please let us know and i i would ask
3: I'll, I'll add that the uh the book goes into uh you know considerable depth on on this and constructing and you know using yeah, yeah. a guide for writing and so yeah. uh highly recommend it as uh something to get it's certainly out there at any bookstore online or, <laughs> or, uh, or storefront near you. <laughs> splendid.
1: And it sounds like something to test the time. Cause normally with a marketing book in 2009, you'd be like, whatever, but this is actually, <laughs> yeah. this is actually a strategy. It says the bloke with 20 year old bloody, uh, well, actually more yeah. than that permission yeah. marketing. When was that? I've got I, you so know, the, many and, old and books the, behind me. That-
3: to go back to what we were discussing at the beginning is that the, you know the guy that put together the 10 commandments you know the big guy <laughs> he needed to read this book first <laughs> that's yeah group
1: group the the cover in together and then we might be able <laughs> yeah, to That's yeah. right <laughs> There's three main commandments: killing, stealing, and coveting. And then we'll go into some more detail. <laughs> one under those, you're right. Listen, listen to the rest of the presentation. All right. Well, um, I think that that is the pyramid done, kinda. And uh, what shall we cover next week? You think, Jeff?
3: I think we are going to uh, we're we're going to you know continue on our five effing marketing. Yeah principles yeah. or fundamentals yeah. and um so we've got two more to dig deeper into it's either marketing ops or marketing research and uh i think we'll just have to let the listeners well, um tune in next week to find out
1: <laughs> absolutely well, i think i know where we're going to go because i think that we're going to have our friend simon on the show soon so yep uh he's definitely the marketing ops dude uh so yep. uh Anyway, so the last item on our agenda is what are we going to listen to? What, am I, what shall I play out on?
3: Well, you know, it uh, it was interesting that with the concept of a pyramid, there were actually a, a lot of songs uh, <laughs> out there with the, to pick the theme up. I mean, I guess yeah. being Egyptian is, uh, or mm-hmm. doing what the Egyptians do is, is popular or has always been popular. And yes. so – I don't know. I, I, I hate to go back to the 80s again, but Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bengals just seemed to be an obvious choice.
1: <laughs> I cannot let the topic of pyramids go without playing Walk
3: Like an Egyptian by the Bengals right. from they,
1: 1987. And
3: as they say in the chorus, all the kids in the marketplace say Walk Like an Egyptian.
1: Splendid.
3: Well, there we go. We'll, we'll, we'll play out with that. Walk Like an Egyptian by the Bengals from 1987.
1: And we've already discussed, I will see you. Back here next. next week, and we will probably be talking about research. But uh, we'll awesome. see how we get on this week. All right, mate. Well, I'll see you then. Have a great week. Do you eventually.
3: too. Take care. Bye bye.
1: Thank you, Jeff. Sticking with the 80s again there this week with an irresistible pick if you're going to talk about pyramids and walk like an Egyptian by the bangles from 1987. If any of you have any thoughts on the topics we discussed, please get in touch. We are Rockstar CMO just about everywhere. I'll include a link to an article that describes the pyramid principle in the show notes. Right on to this week's guest. Chris Smith is the co-founder and curator a U.S. real estate marketing solution that helps listing agents attract more listings. As you'll hear, he's also the author of The Conversion Code, a fabulous book that is taught at colleges like John Hopkins University, the second edition of which is out shortly. Unlike some theoretical marketers, Chris has drunk his own champagne and used the blueprint he shares in his book to quickly grow his own company to eight figures in annual recurring revenue without raising any venture capital. His work has been featured in Adweek, Forbes, Fortune and many other publications and he has been a guest lecturer at NYU. And this week he joined us on Rockstar CMO, a really nice fella, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I do. Welcome Chris to Rockstar CMO FM, how are you?
0: I'm doing good, thanks Ian.
1: Jolly good and where am I speaking to you?
0: Uh you I don't know where you are. I know <laughs> I am in Orlando. Uh where are you speaking to me to?
1: I am talking to you from just outside Oxford, or you know, awesome. so not too far away from London in the UK and yourself. Yes,
0: yes I'm in Orlando, the home of Disney nice. World. Uh we have yes. a lot of people from your neck of the woods that come over yes. and get sunburnt while they're here. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I've I've been there a few times myself. And uh, and you've reminded me as a podcast interview, I need to be a bit more precise with my questions. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so you run an agency called Curator, mm-hmm. as I'm pronouncing accurately. Yeah. Tell us a bit about that.
0: Yeah, my well, my partner Jimmy and I started the company nine years ago. We made the ink list. We work with hundreds and hundreds of. People, I would I would say if you talk about it as an agency, it re- that is really the right way to talk about it. Mm-hmm. But it is definitely a modern agency where there has been a SaaS component, software, platform, oh. technology component from day one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's sort of a little bit of both. It's, a, it, it's like, how do you scale an agency to a thousand clients with 30 employees, which in, anybody yeah. listening would know is basically impossible well you you do it by building the tools you use to do the marketing for them and uh to do that we had to focus on one specific industry Mm -hmm. uh we're we're not a jack of all trades but we do really good work for those folks yeah they pay significantly less than they would have yeah in a traditional agency but they pay significantly more than they would have if they just bought the tools
1: right i think it's really interesting because um a lot of marketing technology is born out of agencies um uh, in that in that view to scale so you provide both the service and the tools at the same time
0: yeah we say the yeah. people the plan and the products so it's yeah. sort of this hybrid of consulting and executing yeah. and logging in it's right. it, and it's fun you know it's we're doing like i feel like i get jealous of regular software companies ian because <laughs> it's like they don't even have a phone number yeah. And we have to hold really hold people's hands because we're you yeah. know going yeah. after a big
1: yeah yeah and for- your your background yourself and your the background of your agency and I really like your specialism is real estate right mm-hmm. and yeah. so what in, what inspired you to make that change from being a, a realtor yourself I, mm-hmm. I, I'm that's that's the phrase you use in America to becoming. Yeah at uh, becoming a marketer and founding the agency. We'll, we'll, yeah. Well, well
0: you're ge- you've just guessed wrong, Ian. So my path, <laughs> is, I, this is what's been so interesting, like I said, technology from day one, because yeah. I actually was a sales guy right. for Quicken Loans, mm-hmm. dialing for dollars, making good money, boiler room style environment for a multi-billion dollar company. So I kind of saw yeah. it from the inside out. Then I moved, and when I moved, I got recruited by a company called Top Producer mm-hmm. that was run and owned by Realtor.com, which at the time was like the Zillow. Zillow wasn't even, right. you know, around yet, basically. Yeah. So yeah. they hired me because of my experience, you know, being really good at sales for quicken, which is sort of in the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. And so I was selling CRMs and websites and market report technology, and I was driving to different real estate offices ah, yeah. and I was doing little seminars in the office. And a lot of people already had the CRM. Top producer was like Salesforce mm-hmm. for real estate. It mm-hmm. was the sort of Microsoft Explorer, mm-hmm. you know, Internet Explorer. Yeah. You know, it doesn't end well, but in yeah. their day, you know, they yeah, were... Yeah the lion's share. So all the offices would let you in because everybody was struggling and needed Mm -hmm. help with trainings and you'd go in and do a good training. Yeah. And then at the end, Hey, these are the products you don't have. Let's walk through this. And right. So within the first appointment that I had, I realized like I was trying to get them to learn this software to help their business. But mm-hmm. they were struggling with much more basic technology. Right. They didn't know how to use their phone, their laptop, social media, Gmail, mm-hmm. YouTube, you name it. Mm-hmm. It was Greek to them. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, this is 08, 09, you know, not yeah. the way it is now. And so yeah. uh, I sort of just took a big step back and said, I got to teach them how to use the browser, not the software we sell that runs in the browser. Yeah. Or they're never going to keep it. They're going to churn. Yeah. and we would lose our commission when people canceled so i had a you yeah. know vested interest in them using it not just buying it uh so I my like path that. to the real estate industry was that and then yeah. every day at these appointments the most rich agent the richest realtor would mm-hmm. you know corner me at the end and say <laughs> here's a bunch of money like how do i hire you like dude yeah. you're legit you know your yeah. stuff yeah and and I couldn't do it, you know, because yeah. that was sort of a breach of contract. But it, mm-hmm. it let me realize, wow, if I could just say yes, yeah, I bet because I could it's a business.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I really and, and it sounds to me like if I overlay it onto my sort of B two B background, that's like you were doing consultative selling from the very early days, plus. I think a lot of us, when we're selling in B2B technology, you go into an organization, it's not the technology that's the problem. I mean, for you, you identified that it was using a browser that was the problem, that that there are other fundamental things that need to change within the organization. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Yeah, everyone that sells B2B knows that adoption is the name of the game. And people go through extreme lengths to, to, to try to ensure that adoption, and I did too. Like, I would actually say, hey, for your first 30 days because mm-hmm. the money back guarantee would end, I would say, <laughs> I will just use it for you for the first 30 days. Like, yeah. I'm going to make sure this thing gets turned on and cranked up and yeah. it gets out the door. Because if I can get one of their customers mm-hmm. to reply and say, ooh, this is cool, thank you, yeah. then I'm like, all right, uh, now they'll go use it. Yeah, That's how you get adoption, Ian, right? Yeah. yeah. So that was sort of how I got into the, the game, and I love it. And uh, yeah. so I sort of love sales and marketing number one. And then Mm one B would be real estate because that's just sort of
1: where I landed. Yeah, no, I like that. And is that what inspired you with the agency to understand that you couldn't just sell technology? You needed that service component? Because I think that's what a lot of people are missing right now.
0: Yes. So the average age of a real estate agent, at least at the time, was 57. It's always somewhere (laughs) in that range. And so, yeah, Yeah. they were what was called digital nomads. They They were digital immigrants. Yeah, yeah. They were like trying to learn a new language in a new land and it it wasn't fun. Like I had this video I used to show where this guy, it's a real office cam and he's just Mm -hmm. beating the hell out of his keyboard. (laughs) He starts beating his screen with the keyboard and it's just so relatable. And so that was sort of me. So yes, from day one, because of my industry, number one, if a real estate agent's busy and successful, they don't have time to do it. Right, And then number two, if they do try to do it themselves, there's a lot of friction generationally. And so, yeah, I knew from day one, like, and I could show you the data from Curator historically who Mm churns. There's a very, very much lower chance Mm -hmm. someone's going to churn if they have a service. Yeah. So if they check that box and upgrade and they add on what we call marketer, accelerator, the, yeah. the sort of the sort of service components, yeah. Google ads, whatever it is, the yeah. churn rate is uh, incredibly lower. The LTV is incredibly higher. So yeah. I think what happens in agencies, which is great, is they execute like the agency mm-hmm. does the execution. Yeah. You know, but they the there's not that uh, ARR where every mm. month and every year you you're sort of yeah. auto renewing. It feels yeah. more like a project basis, at least from my perspective. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Agencies. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. no, you struck on a magic balance there because I think that a lot of B2B SaaS vendors are focusing entirely on being SaaS and as being as as you mentioned, not even having a telephone number, being as mm-hmm. hands off as possible. Whereas they're serving an audience that need that help, but also will churn like that if you if they don't know you as a or if they don't feel any connection to you as an organization, right? If you're not helping them. So I think that's interesting. so you've talked about the challenges at the beginning what are the primary marketing challenges you're seeing in real estate right now i mean it's not an industry i'm particularly familiar with i'm not sure about our listeners but what are, what are those challenges you're seeing
0: well i think the number one challenge and people don't talk about it enough is just that mm-hmm. the percentage of human beings that need one this calendar year is very <laughs> low and so it's yeah. sort of like you're trying to sh- you know
1: yeah you know
0: i don't know you're not fishing in a barrel you're fishing yeah. in an ocean Yeah. 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 And also there are, uh, there are some trends and patterns of course, but it's just sort of like things like death, divorce, disease, things like obviously people moving out when their, you know, Mm -hmm. their kids move out, empty nesters, like, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously anybody behind on their mortgage, that type of stuff. There are indicators that somebody might sell, but in a busy year is like 5 million homes that get bought and sold and there's 330 million people in the U S and so your message is irrelevant to almost everyone. Right. So there's no targeting that you can do this sort of like, Oh, (laughs) trust me, companies try to sell that by the data, by the, but the reality is that you sort of need to do content marketing to have a Mm -hmm. chance. And this is why Mm -hmm. I think real estate agents at least traditionally they have an email newsletter yeah the contents of the email newsletter is kind of usually like here's what's happening in the area here's things to do with Mm -hmm. your kids here's Mm -hmm. some of the community events like because they know to nurture for seven eight nine years yeah you can't just keep sending them listings and you know what they do instead they send them nothing yeah yeah they fall off they don't keep in touch and yeah. then the person that eight years ago loved you doesn 't even call you when it 's time to sell again
3: yeah
0: yeah yeah so so no, that 's like, the challenge it, in real estate uh, yeah, the, and I, the,
1: mm-hmm. what i like what I like and i 'll get onto your book in a second is what I like about what you 're talking about there is it 's a very understandable industry in terms of real estate, and then you 're talking about content marketing and staying in touch with people and being relevant to them, but not selling to them because. You're only going to sell to them like you say every every decade or so right? yeah. or whatever, so well, think can't. about
0: this, you just made me yeah. think of something if If you create a video for a listing, there's three people typically that like it the, yeah. you
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. the seller, yeah, and the buyer, yeah, maybe yeah. right yeah, it, yeah. It, so meanwhile, what are you trying to get five thousand views for so yeah. the point would be yeah. how do you make that same video super interesting yeah. To people that that listing isn't something they want to buy. And there's really smart realtors doing that mm-hmm. where they get it. They understand that, like, the listing is an asset for my marketing. Yeah. It's just stupid to pretend the buyer's the one listening yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah Hopefully yeah. they are. Yeah. But I don't want all my friends on Facebook to hate me. So, let me, <laughs> you know, and that's really where people yeah. kind of have cracked the code is, yeah, uh, it's sort of content marketing about your category
1: yeah uh, I like that annoying. yeah, and if, if it's anything like uh, around here or my wife, then they'll look at the video just to see a neighbor's house on the inside yeah, so, yeah. Um, I've just realized I've got to get onto your book, so you've just um, shared all this experience in your book, the Conversion Code, which um, I read and I think is an incredibly practical playbook for small business, and I think you've already come across mm-hmm. as being that guy of, of working in marketing and sales and wanting to really help these people. What inspired you to write the book?
0: Well, I wrote the book six years ago, and what uh-huh. inspired me was a conference that I was doing for my customers. Mm-hmm. We had you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, and we just really just kind of did a survey and said, what do you want to learn while you're in Orlando? Help yeah. us create the agenda that's right for yeah. you. Yeah. And we had all these things they could vote on. Was probably like 30 categories. And the one that was sort of way above every other category was lead conversion. Yeah. And because yeah. at that point, and this is, you know, six, seven years ago, at that point, the name of the game was sort of how do you generate leads? Yeah. And nobody wanted to talk about the dirty little secret that most of them suck. <laughs> they don't answer the phone. They hang yeah. up on you. They yeah. tell you to leave them alone. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? Like, I know how to do that. I used to get mm-hmm. hung up on all the time at Quicken Loans. Mm-hmm. I used to get told to lose my information daily that's sort of the job so i i realized like oh they don't know how to do the boiler room part Mm -hmm. so i went i actually just wanted to write the book about that and just the sort of how do you close the lead once you get it and my publisher wiley great publisher they give you really good insight because of Mm -hmm. their track record they said you're pretty naive if you think people know how to generate leads right and I right. was like, you know what, you're right, because our clients know, but that's because we do it. They <laughs> don't know how to do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so it became section one, you know, mm-hmm. digital marketing. How do you attract high quality leads that are yeah. actually chasing you that you're not chasing? Yeah. yeah. And then follow up. And then the phone part, when right. they answer, what do you say? When they say this, what do you say next? Yeah. Like yeah. the science of sales is is what I love. On the yeah. on the end of the transaction, so that's yeah. why I wrote it. It came from a conference topic, and I was like, "Okay, there's six months until the conference. Mm-hmm. Like, I got this." And I literally yeah. submitted to Wiley the night before the conference. Wow. Went on stage and presented the data from the book and from yeah. there it really
1: blew up and did Yeah. Did yeah. I, I, um I listened to a podcast called The Marketing Book Podcast and on yeah. on there and mm-hmm. um, the, the host Douglas Badett always says that good books are written by people who stand up on stage and talk about this stuff. Because yeah. you've got to refine that message, right? So you refine that message and then you, you put it into the book.
0: Well, now that I went through the whole speaking circuit for several yeah. years on book number yeah. one and yeah. and taught it and got the feedback, absolutely. Yeah. Then you go, okay, now I know what's funny. Now I know what people will actually go back and do. Right. Um, so yeah, that that does help. But I would also argue with Douglas that it's that combined with someone that actually does the work too. Oh, absolutely. I do think sometimes when you're only a consultant.
1: Yeah. yeah. So it's sort of like half and half. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It's always good to talk to people who are actually in the trenches. And I also think, um, like, when I'm talking to marketers, sometimes marketers who work in very large organizations only see one part of marketing. They only see, like, their content marketers or they do events or whatever it is. I think when you've got experience like yours and you've really – you've seen the whole thing, right? From how do I get the lead as a small business mm-hmm. to how do I execute on that? And how do I close? So that's what I, that's what I really saw. And I didn't realize the book had been out so long. It was, uh, it was recommended to me and that I should speak no, to you. And it, I, well,
0: the I, reason we're on the phone now is the, yeah. the updated version, which is right. 2.0, which is sort yeah. of like, it's like a hundred more pages. It's like, yeah. it's because six years in the technology and social media world is is a lifetime. So I had to go back and basically re-research everything, quite frankly. And then uh, I'm really proud of it. It's actually way Mm -hmm. better. I'm sure every author would say that. But when I was writing the first one, Mm -hmm. I was like absolutely slammed at curator. Now we're nine years old. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sort of out of that rocket ship phase, Mm -hmm. And now I have 50 people. That do yeah. a great job of keeping the ship afloat. So now I'm actually doing the real work of writing a book,
1: which I think will show uh, nice. when when this one comes out. Yeah, nice, nice. And um, so in in so to the book that and and, and it's um, so so when's this new version out then? Yeah, 2. well, 9. that
0: depends on who you ask. But it's late April, early May. It comes out <laughs> in a couple of weeks. If people are listening, you know, today and yeah. in, in mid yeah. April, but April twenty sixth right uh, of 2022. and then nice. the other uh, the other possible release date is May 3rd
1: that's <laughs> well, uh, cool well it's only a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. uh that would, it would be good to hear that story because i'm always interested in the author's journey and story right when, when i talk to um to, to um to writers because mm-hmm. i think a lot of marketers have got a book in them that they they want to write and so mm-hmm. talk to somebody who's actually been through that process and the fact you did it so quickly before a conference i think it's mm-hmm. great as well um in that book anyway um in that book you talk about um uh, the three conversion code creeds for the mm-hmm. audiences you talk to. Cause I quite like the fact that you've clearly delineated the audiences that are for, for this book. So mm-hmm. what are those conversion creeds that you talked about?
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, because this is a textbook, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, it goes from left to right and every chapter kind of moves down the path. Like you said, yeah. it, 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 yeah. I actually doodled one time and I was like, what yeah. is everything?
3: Like, do do it
0: all for me. And I kind of just doodled it. I was like, man, that is complex. And so um, the creeds are just really a way to say what are the philosophies Mm -hmm. of good digital marketing? Yeah. So, image is everything. Like, the idea is that visuals is critical Mm -hmm. in the modern world, like, Mm -hmm. video. I'm not saying image is everything like your image. I'm saying yeah. that people process images this much faster than visual yeah. or than words. Like, like we yeah. live in a Instagram first world. Mm-hmm. And so I obsess about design and what that comes out as is image is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite ones is social media is the internet. And that one changed mm-hmm. because it was Facebook is the internet.
1: Yeah. yeah. And in the six yeah.
0: years with TikTok and reels yeah. and with everything else that's really, Exploded yeah. and with Facebook taking a hit, by the way, and becoming meta. Yeah, But social media is the internet. So pe- I, yeah. I think sometimes people differentiate where it's like internet marketing, digital yeah. marketing yeah. versus social media marketing. And yeah. the way that I try to get people to think about that is like, if you're not doing marketing on social media, that's really good. You're not doing marketing on the internet. That's really good. Even if you think you do. God bless your little blog. You know, (laughs) like, you see what I'm saying? So I get it. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. mm -hmm. And we've always talked about, like previously we've talked about the fact that people are viewing the internet through their own particular keyhole like that, aren't they? To them, Facebook is the internet, like you're saying. If you don't think from that side, from Mm -hmm. from their view, their perspective, then you're going to miss out.
0: Yeah. 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 And you have to have kind of been down that journey where AOL was, you know, C colon prompt was the internet aol was the internet google was the internet you know facebook was the internet and now i think it's this sort of smorgasbord of social combined um but it's
1: fun yeah which sort of brings me to a point i want to make about the book actually is because um you give advice about every channel about Mm -hmm. you know from somebody's website all the way to tiktok Mm -hmm. um so clearly I've got the updated version. <laughs>
2: so,
0: yeah,
1: good. Um, so um, uh, But the advice I'm always hearing about starting mm-hmm. out um, with these kinds of initiatives is there's a temptation to be everywhere, but you really ought to focus yeah. on one and get that right first and expand. Do you agree with that when you talk to your clients and where do you suggest that they actually start?
0: Yeah. I actually think they have to start almost a level before right. where should I post, which would be yeah. sort of, I think of it as what I call brand advertising or marketing and just mm-hmm. understanding that if you do all this cool brand stuff, yeah. I think of a brand play as TikTok. I think of a brand play as, you know, a killer IG account, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do that, you can get really high quality leads, but you don't mm-hmm. get a million of them versus yeah. like, if I do a direct response ad and run a Facebook ad and drive. Mm-hmm. So you have to sort of say qual. Here's quality. Here's quantity. They're directly yeah. correlated. So if you want more, they will be worse. Yeah. If you want better, there will be less. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think you start there, and then you say, okay, well, if I need more leads, mm-hmm. then yeah. things like search and things like Facebook ads, and right, like things yeah. like Google pay per click. If I need, yeah. call it volume of leads, I got to be there. Yeah. If I'm more quantity and it's more of a brand play and I'm, you know, mm. then I'm doing reels and I'm doing oh, TikTok right. and I've got, I'm a YouTuber, I'm a podcaster, absolutely, you know, yeah. I'm going down that path. And the reality, Ian, is that a lot of people want both and that mm. is really probably the best place to be is sort of dead in the middle
1: of that line. Yeah, absolutely. But also understanding, I love that because I think that's appropriate in every organization is understanding what you're using the channel for. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people think that everything, they want to measure all their marketing based on leads, but there's certain things you're going to do. And if you choose to take those strategies, Mm -hmm. it's going to be about awareness. It's not going to be about leads. So I think that's really interesting when you talk about that balance.
0: Yeah, I, I make people that I consult for choose five KPIs and yeah. just say, what are the yeah. five we're going to look at? Because there's way too many that we could. Yeah. And a lot of people, it's not number of leads. Yeah, They're actually more interested in follower growth, email mm. subscribers, mm. like video views. A mm. lot of people check those boxes.
1: Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, interesting. All right, I've just realized the time. This is fascinating. Um, so I'm going to get to our final question. Uh, no. We have a regular feature on the Rockstar CMO called the swim pool, which is our pool to help all the BS snake hole and overhype trends that plague this industry we love. Mm-hmm. What would you throw into our rockstar CMO swim pool?
0: Yeah, so this one, I I think the answer for me is, uh, this is a tricky one because a big part of the new book is about privacy and how marketers are ruining everything. And so now yeah. there's all these things in place where you can't track and you can't target and you can't pixel yeah. and there, there you can't call, you can't mass text. Mm-hmm. It's very like, yeah. Privacy is real. Yeah. Um, but I also think a lot of people overcorrected. Mm-hmm. So the thing I want to throw in the swimming pool is the cookie consent.
1: Right. right. Because
0: number one, as someone that loves design and loves user experience, it's the yeah. worst <sighs> thing in the history yeah. of the internet. Yeah. And number two, it's irrelevant and not needed in 99% of the cases. In the US. So let me make this big disclaimer. Yeah. 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 If, if I don't want to have to show the consent message, Mm -hmm. all I have to agree to do is to not track people from European countries. (laughs) Like, so I just hate that. Like literally thousands of websites have this message, Mm -hmm. but none of Mm -hmm. their business or any of their business ever is coming from Europe. Now there's, if I'm in Miami and I'm in New York, and yeah. I'm selling real estate, then I need to make sure yeah, yeah. I'm compliant with that. But if I'm in Birmingham, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't need to, I don't care if people in Poland aren't pixeled and tracked. Yeah, yeah. And but yeah. so I think that is something people should consider mm. throwing in the swimming pool in, if they're in the right scenario, which for me, I'm willing to say, you know what? I'm willing not to, I'm willing mm. to not. Have those folks visit? Yep. At the sake of being able to track the folks yeah. that do, it's. It, yeah. I just yeah. hate that
1: pop up, Ian. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, I, well, I mean, I agree with that hating of the pop up and the fact it's the first experience anybody has of your website and the fact people blindly click through. And. But why can't we try- just
0: say the internet has
1: cookies? Why yeah, do we yeah. have to do Absolutely. it at the at the Absolutely. micro level? Like, Absolutely. do it and at also, the Chrome level? Like, yeah. And, also the lack of nuance in this conversation when I talk to my parents about cookies they're like they've been the media has taught them that mm-hmm. cookies are bad and they're not all bad I so know. you know I trying know. to explain that and my dad and my dad's like well I don't go on websites that have a cookie on them so mm-hmm. I think well he doesn't go on websites that are following GDPR yeah. so he only goes on websites that are probably dropping cookies just not telling him anyway yeah. A fascinating mm-hmm. conversation, Chris. I've really sure. enjoyed it. When people spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you?
0: Yeah, I think if they go to the conversioncode.com, that would be a great place to connect. That has yeah. all of my contact information, my social, the book, email, yeah. newsletter, You know, all of the ways to uh, get involved in the movement. For me, Ian, what I want people to take away from this big mm-hmm. textbook is stop chasing leads. Yep. It's embarrassing. <laughs> the, co- the consumer hates that you're doing it. Yeah. You know that it's not the way that you want to be doing it. And so, like, put that line in the sand. Yeah. And, and start attracting, get the leads chasing you. Like, don't yeah. figure out how to make the robo dial, the stealth voicemail. <laughs> like, don't get better at that. Yeah. Get your phone ringing.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it, and I also love the reference you made just now that Marx has ruined everything, which is why we have this privacy movement. But I could talk to you for ages, Chris. This has really been great, and um, I look forward to staying in touch. I look forward, and I, I share. I'll share all your links in the in the show notes, including to your book, which hopefully will be out in a couple of weeks. I yes. look forward to that, Chris. Awesome. Thanks, Ian. Cheers, mate. Bye, bye. Thank you, Chris. I definitely recommend looking out for the second issue of his book, The Conversion Code. I was fortunate enough to have a preview edition ahead of this interview, and it's a super practical guide. Right. It's Friday evening, time to wind down in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar and find my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose, chief troublemaker at the content advisory for a cocktail and a marketing thought. what are you drinking
2: oh hello my friend welcome to the end of the week and welcome to the bar uh it should be a gosh it's a really noisy entertainment. <laughs> i it just feels like what it, it, I, that's a classical orchestra mm-hmm. i see over there
1: <laughs>
2: are they playing beethoven's fifth i i think what? they are Yes, I It's very it. dramatic in here tonight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've let me off the last three weeks.
2: <laughs> yeah. Beethoven's Fifth is not something I would have expected to hear in the bar, but I well, we're trying to cla- heard it here. It's Beethoven's Fifth. That is. is um, we're trying
1: to we're trying to classy up the bar.
2: I see. For for, for you,
1: Robert, Class it up. Yes. Um, well, <laughs> here's the, Beethoven.
2: yeah, you, you know, <laughs> with Beethoven is, 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 exactly right. So I have a classy drink, uh, Ooh. for us to celebrate uh, the end of the week with,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, now this is again, we haven't had one of these in a while, but it's, it, it's, it's, it's one of the more complex or difficult to find cocktails. Ooh. Um, and the reason is, is because of the main ingredient, which is elderflower, Um, Uh which is really a lovely, lovely taste. Um, Mm -hmm. And you can find it fresh. You know, you can find it, you know, as you know, there are many edible flowers. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But mostly you can find an elderflower liqueur, um, which I'm sure you can find there in your favorite good liquor store Um, Mm -hmm. and a nice elderflower liqueur. And then what you do now this is the, this, in, in some cases you may see recipes calling for gin here. Um, but I know you <laughs> don't like have it. Any skin, so, um, <laughs> I, I have, uh, replaced that. And the way mm-hmm. I make it is with a very nice, um, the lightest sort of, uh, the lightest tequila that you can find. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can find a really light tequila, and Mm -hmm. the elderflower liqueur putting it together and then you can spice it up there you know a lot of recipes will call for things like rosemary or thyme or basically you know Mm -hmm. whatever sort of uh uh, herbs you you really like but i i keep it pretty simple i i just keep it with you know uh elderflower and uh, the light tequila and sparkling water which is always lovely to make this with and then shake all that up uh into a you know into a into a wonderful you know elixir pour that mm-hmm. over ice and you have yourself a very nice uh spring very spring like easter wow. uh, celebration of of uh, of a cocktail
1: well yeah we do have a lot of elder in fact i have an elder growing in the side of my garden. They grow like weeds here, really. <laughs> so, oh, very nice. Uh, we, have, we have a lot of elderflower and elderberries. Are and the elderflower also, by the
2: way, makes a lovely garnish for, the, for this drink as well. Ooh, you just pop it in nice. there. Well, what,
1: what was that called, Robert? Elderflower and Herb Cooler. Ooh, and uh, well, I, I heard you start with some ice, so I'm gonna stick some ice in here. Indeed. Now, when I, when I make my elderflower and tequila cooler, I, I'm, I stick with the more traditional gin. Uh, the lightest of tequilas, I see. I the see. lightest and most English of tequilas. So uh, this week, uh, this week it's um, it's not it's not uh, Bombay Sapphire, which is your favorite, or the Hendrix I usually have. It's back to the Sipsmiths, oh. that, the London Dry Gin that of uh, a present from my wife. It's very nice. So just admiring the bottle, which is no point in doing that because we're not on video. But uh, so, and then I'm going to uh, stick into there. You, you know that here we consider the elder, the elderflower, and the cucumber to be very um, similar. Uh, they're, they're, they're from the same, you know, country. Uh, so I'm going to put some fever tree cucumber tonic water in there, Ooh. and give this a taste. I think it's going to be very cooling and refreshing. Oh, just bash my microphone. Mmm. Ooh, I'm put too much gin in that. That's delicious. And very refreshing. I could uh, I could drink one of these every week. And what are we calling this? Uh, we are calling this the Elderflower
2: and Herb Cooler. Mm. I don't put any herbs in it, but that's what it's no. called.
1: Oh, very nice. Maybe I should have considered some herbs in this. I haven't got any, but I could have considered it. <laughs> yes, you could have considered it. <laughs> that's delicious. That's delicious. The herb oh, of ready? cucumber made its way into <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Cucumber replaces just about everything, doesn't it? Pineapples, mangoes. <laughs> herbs what else um so we're we're going to be drinking these wonderfully refreshing refreshing drinks whereabouts where will we be drinking these
2: you know here's the thing this week i think we're going mm-hmm. somewhere different um Ooh. and i i have a i am missing um boston um oh, i wow. haven't been to boston in a long time nah. um, really since the pandemic and yeah. so i miss uh, Boston, especially in spring, um, yeah. because Boston and spring in Boston can be absolutely beautiful. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the park in the center of the city, and and the, yeah. you know, and walking along the river, and yeah. oh, it's just absolutely spectacular. And so, I think we have to have a lovely this lovely spring cocktail on a beautiful spring day, warm but not Lovely. too warm, um, mm-hmm. in Boston, probably on the water somewhere, uh, yes. and sitting and enjoying the historical views of everything that, that Boston brings.
1: Splendid. Yeah. I think you and I have spent some time in Boston, probably at the Guild Bay. We have indeed. Yes. On, yes. We used to spend there. every year in Boston. Yes. I
2: miss, yes, I miss it. Quite, quite yes.
1: Well. And, um, um, I remember going there with my wife at exact this time of year at Easter. And, um, uh it was they had three feet of snow the week before and it was 80 degrees when we were there it was beautiful absolutely beautiful that's the weird thing about the weather up there isn't it it can be like that so that sounds lovely so so boston and we're probably reminiscing about uh times gone by where we used to do the gilbane content conference what would the conversation turn to once we finish with that
2: well we're going to touch on something that i know that you're (laughs) this is something that you're going to love um (laughs) given your history um Uh And you know it's about managing up, um, <laughs> which is an art and a science that has has is it, I'm seeing in decline these days, um, mm-hmm. and some of that has to do with the way that companies are being structured, uh, especially in marketing departments, with how flat structures are 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 becoming mm-hmm. much more popular, um, and because of the you know various feelings that have to be taken into account these days Mm -hmm. um, in terms of making sure everybody's feeling safe and wonderful and all those kinds of things. But the idea of managing up is definitely something that every single manager that ever works in a larger company is going to have to deal with, which is Mm -hmm. how do you manage your boss, right? How do you manage Mm -hmm. up? How do you manage your supervisor? And the interesting thing is, as I started to look at it, because this came up the other day, I was speaking with a client about managing up mm-hmm. and how they you know dealt with a uh, with their boss mm-hmm. you know i looked I, I started looking it up about what you know what managing up means today and found that even companies like you know Wall Street Journal or Harvard Business Review were writing really weird sort of descriptions about what managing it's certainly from my perspective and the way I grew up in Corporations, yeah. you know, over the last twenty five years, you know what I think of managing up, and so you know, Wall Street Journal, they defined managing up as making your boss's job easier.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's
2: not. It, it is. It really isn't. It really isn't. And then Harvard Business Review actually had a, a a definition of managing up as as being being the most effective employee you can be, creating value for your boss and your company. And I go. Who, who, who do you work for? Like, what the hell are you thinking? You know, have any of these people ever tried to manage up? I mean, you know, and it's like the theme for so many of these definitions these days seems to be that Mm -hmm. there's an assumption that, by the way, your boss is always right. And guess Mm -hmm. what? They're not, Mm -hmm. they're, they're not always right. And so in a healthy relationship, I see managing up as about trust. Um, mm-hmm. it's about developing a deeper trust with your supervisor and and they have trust in you and you have trust in them and if we go off of you know so Rachel Botsman who is a wonderful renowned expert on the concept of trust has a definition of trust that I absolutely adore and she says it's a confident relationship to the unknown and so to me that's what managing up is about oh, that's is helping cool. leaders navigate uncertainty and developing trust as a result of that and so that means, by the way, that when you believe they're wrong, you tell them that they're wrong. Yes. and the So that's not even the biggest problem. And the reason that I was having this conversation with my colleague was because what they're doing is what I find so many people today doing, which is managing around. Um, <laughs> in other words, you have this idiosyncratic <laughs> boss – and so what you end up doing is creating strategies and processes and projects to manage around <laughs> those idiosync- idiosyncrasies yeah. instead of actually dealing with the elephant in the room and in many cases in marketing and content what this what this results in is sort of the process where they review everything mm-hmm. the boss reviews everything or has some input and in this particular case the the conversation i was having with my colleague they had a boss who would, you know, at the last minute, upend, Mm -hmm. you know, projects, completely throw things off the rails, because they would have comments or things for assets that were ready to get published and completely throw things in in a crazy loop. Mm -hmm. And so the biggest problem, the actual biggest problem, and this is what this person had, isn't that the boss inserted themselves into the process, or that they quite frankly had, had, um, uh, you know, they were managing around it it was that they had created a process for creating content, not based on what they thought the best content would be, but what the boss would approve.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: In
2: other words, they created an entire content strategy based around what they thought would get approved so that they could meet their timelines yeah. rather than what was going to be the most compelling content for their oh, audience, And that's a problem. Yeah. 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 I've, I've and seen so that. The question is, okay, how do you, how do you stop that? Mm-hmm. Well, one is, and there's only two, by the way, ways to stop this or, or get around it. One is you got to acknowledge and accept it. Yeah. And you know, this is what I call the Steve Jobs model, right? Which is, all right, if the entire business knows that this is a problem and this is going to happen yeah. and that the boss is going to insert themselves and upend things and like Steve Jobs did yeah. famously, micromanaged everything, yeah. fine. But everybody accepts and acknowledges it and timelines are, are created accordingly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The second is... One of the things is is to try to get a process in place where you pull forward visibility into mm-hmm. everything and yeah. change the idea yeah. of when the boss is actually inserting themselves, yeah. so that they insert themselves and have the ability to insert themselves at any
1: time. Yeah. And if they, but if they don't, then things move forward. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that, and um, I've had a very similar experience, and, and and worked with an individual who was pretty, into, uh, it, you know, pretty into the detail of things, and there were some pe- some some parts of the team that would try and avoid getting them any visibility of anything that was going on because they were worried about that kind, you know, uh, because right. what would happen is that person was extremely stretched. And but they wanted to see everything, so therefore, it added weeks onto the production of any piece of content if they were if they got involved. So, people would try to work around them, as you were saying, and, and, and not include them in it and hope that they could get something shipped <laughs> before this person got to see anything. Or, like you say, um, but I, I really like the idea there. You're talking about the Steve Jobs model, which is that look, this is the way it works around here and therefore if i'm going to commit to a timeline of producing a piece of content and this is part of the approval process then it's going to take me 3 months that's right it
2: it is that's exactly yeah. right and that's yeah. having the entire organization acknowledge it yeah, right exactly. which is
1: yeah you know and if everybody goes okay yep then that's the way it's going to be yeah absolutely and and like you say it's far better to get somebody like that involved earlier although it sounds, feels counterintuitive at the time, than to get them in, than them to insert themselves in later because that'll be far more disruptive. Well, the interesting thing is what I've found is, is that
2: if you can provide either through technology or through a, vis- a more mm-hmm. visible process mm-hmm. and basically go to that manager, that executive yeah. leader yeah. and say, you no longer have to wait and to to get your input yeah. into this process, right? You're gonna have visibility into the entirety of the content process from ideation through its production. Yeah. And at any time, you can go into this tool or this spreadsheet or yeah. this, you know, you can ask or whatever it is and have visibility into it. Yeah. And what I often find is is that they they have inserted themselves into the process not because they want to, but because they feel like they yes. have to. Yeah, yeah. And once you give them the ability to look at everything and have visibility and input into everything from the earliest stages, yeah. now what you've done is two things. One is you've put the responsibility on them to say, ah, I can do this earlier, so I should have. Yep. In other words, mm-hmm. if if it gets to the point where it's already done and it's like, ah, I haven't inputted on this yet, yeah. I probably missed my turn, yeah. right? Because yep. so, you've created that, you know, look, you had, you, had yeah. the, you had the ability to do it earlier, you yeah. didn't. Yep. And so that's on you. And so it starts to track the, the, the behavior to say, you know, to, to reinforce that. Are you, why are you actually doing this? Are you doing this because you care about the actual output? Well, then you should have done it earlier. If you, if you're just doing it because you want to, you know, you feel like you need, you have some idiosyncratic need to see things when they're already, you know, when they're ready to go live. Mm -hmm. Well, then that's, that's a personality issue that you need to fix. Yeah. And, but you're using the process in order to illuminate that rather than sort of saying to them, well, you should do this earlier. Yeah. And so, so you're not sticking them earlier into the process. You're just basically giving them access and visibility into the process earlier and putting it on them to actually do it.
1: Yeah. But, and, and even then, though, can't it, it can be, well, yeah, sure, I, I didn't, but I'm going to mess it up anyway. Right. You, you, You see what I mean? Like, they get involved later. And I think that's where, I found that comment you made about the Steve Jobs organization. That's actually, you know, you should be you should be ready for that, right? It doesn't matter that you gave them visibility and that they ignored your emails and all that kind of stuff and they came in late and then they messed everything up. That's just the way things are done around here. <laughs> you need to factor that That's into right. Your but process. then it's tracked, right? Yeah, See, that's exactly. the thing is is
2: that you can start yeah. to say, "Okay, this is yeah. where the pattern is," yeah. right? Without a pattern, yeah. what you end up with is yeah you know, with is, is showing that, you know, it, it's yeah. almost like you've got a you know, you've got a car in your driveway yeah. and you're always, it's always there for you to drive it, but yeah. you, you never fill it up full of gas until you run out of gas on the grocery store, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you had the car at any time you could have done that. And so, yes, it is, it does really suck for everybody that you didn't fill it up full of gas until the last minute, but that's kind of on you now because yeah. we now have the ability to show that yeah. and track it. Before it was just oh woe is me this mm. is the last time I got into the car and, and I didn't notice that it was yeah. you know empty of a tank and so it's hard to pin that on somebody yeah but when they but when you've got the ability and you have the visibility yeah. into behavior now all of a sudden you can say hey look yeah just yeah. because all you're what you're doing then is 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 ostensibly throwing everything up into the in, in, mm. into disruption. And so yeah, now when I reset expectations and I say, oh, this thing is not going to be delivered,
1: yeah. they have to go, you're right, because I inserted myself late in the process. Yeah. But you've got to be calm about it. I mean, good luck to you if you want to get frustrated with somebody more senior than you uh, that are slowing down your project, right? That, that That is not a great path to to having a, a good time of things, right? Either in your own feeling about your job or in you know how you're going to get on with this boss. It has to be. You know, it has to be calm, considered and then reset your timeline and just crack on, right? You can't That's right. It's so <clears throat> the the idea here is is that to identify
2: whether yeah. you have a culture problem yeah. or a process problem. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have a culture
1: problem, that's not solvable by process. No, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And you have you to know, accept and, it. You have to accept it and, and, and take a breath. And, or leave. And, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. or, or leave. Exactly. Yeah. Because I've seen so many people so frustrated with that kind of thing and being disrupted and helicopter bosses and all that kind of stuff. But you just have to accept, you have to plan for that, right? If you know that's the behavior, then you have to plan for that.
2: That's right. And, and the and and it's not just you. No. The entire, the, yeah. the, the key here is, is that the entire business has to acknowledge it. Yes. Yeah. In other words, it's not good enough for marketing to acknowledge it, but sales not.
1: Yeah.
2: Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. In other words, if sales is always Bye. bitching that, yeah, yeah. that this thing is always late, why is it always late? Yeah. And your excuse is, well, because the CEO mm. has to approve it and mm. they don't do it in a very timely manner. Yeah. That doesn't
1: matter, it's still marketing's fault. Yeah. Well, it's still late, right? And whereas if you said this is going to take three months, I go, Oh, well, how can this thing take three months? Well, this is the process right. and look back. This is the history of delivery. We always take three months, you know. So
2: That's exactly right. Months. And so the yeah. entire business has to acknowledge it and say, Yeah, ah, yeah. The reason that things take three months is because yeah. our Steve Jobsian <laughs> boss yeah. is yeah you know, is it needs to insert himself or herself into the yeah, process. Yeah. And so everybody sort of nods their heads and goes, "Yep, that's just the way things are. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, I love that. And, um, and what, what a great topic. And, um, I, I'd also be interested in, um, identifying oneself as being that boss as well. I, I wonder if you've had those sorts of conversations, but maybe that's a topic for another day and another cocktail. You but, mean whether I'm that kind of boss? No, <laughs> whether, whether you've, well, you know, I think, you know, cause we're all, we're all leaders. And also we're all, um, we're all employees and, and employers, if, you know, so, and we we rate, and I wondered whether you've ever had the conversation with somebody that is that kind of boss that doesn't recognize that in themselves. Oh, I
2: I've, oh, I've definitely <laughs> had that conversation with with my bosses. Yeah, yeah. in the past, absolutely yeah. I've had that conversation <laughs> with my bosses. Yeah. And and by the way, the 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 prevailing the, you know, the prevailing trend here is the first option, right? It's just basically yeah. you know, personnel especially in smaller and startup companies. Yeah. Um, the prevailing trend is that you know your 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 boss probably wants to wear multiple hats, yeah. and so getting involved in the decision making and the and 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 inserting themselves last minute yeah. is much more yeah. prevalent than it is at larger at, at yeah. larger organizations.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, it's a great thought, and I could um, yes, fascinating. Um, so, um, if people want to read thoughts. I'm going to get this right this week by you (laughs) on the internet. Where might they find these
3: thoughts?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well,
2: Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about this on our website, which
1: is uh, thank you for asking content net. (laughs) And when people uh, spin the dial on the interwebs, where are they going to find you? Um, well, you know,
2: I would be remiss if I didn't also promote um, our little podcast yes. called This Old Marketing uh, every now and again, and it, you know we talk a lot about this kind of stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to talking about media and marketing and yes. you know the news and what's going on, but then of course I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter as well.
1: Nice, yeah, I'm a fan of your show. I think I think This Old Marketing is is, is a p- petrol link in the show notes so if people want to find it they can find it there so splendid thank you very much robert and once uh, i've listened to your podcast and 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 followed you on twitter and linkedin will you be in the bar uh,
2: I, I i will be and i'm just hopeful that they'll 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 the the, the symphony will have continued
1: yeah <laughs> well it's all for you my friend and uh, i yes. look forward to seeing you next week cheers buddy Bye. Thank you, Robert. Time for us all to manage up. So that's a wrap on episode 110 of the Rockstar CMO Fing Martin podcast. Thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. I've been your host, Ian Truscott. Thanks again to Jeff, Chris and Robert for sharing their insight. Please say hello to them, follow their work and check out all their links in the show notes, which you can find on your favourite podcast app or at rockstarcmo.fm, where you can also find all our previous episodes. So, does the world need another Effing Martin podcast? Let us know and help other people find us by dropping a rating or review in your favourite podcasting app or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, Jeff and I will continue to explore the five effing marketing fundamentals. I chat to Joe Jansen, a marketing leader in the drinks industry, which is very appropriate for this show. And speaking of drink, Robert will be in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Until then, have a great week, and I hope you'll again join us here next week on Rockstar CMO FM.